aspect of what, of what God has done. And in this collect that we're talking about this Sunday, uh, the collect for the uh, proper 28, this famous collect that comes from the pen of Thomas Cranmer, the author of the first book of Common Prayer. If you go into our book of Common Prayer, right, and you, you look in the table of contents and you'll find something called historical documents. And if you look in historical documents, you'll find something called the preface to the first book of Common Prayer. Read it. It lets you know what Thomas Cranmer thought he was doing. It's always a good question. What do you think you're doing? It lets you know what he thought he was doing. And one of the things that he was thought he was doing was that he was immersing the English people in Scripture in such a way and to such a degree that their lives would be transformed and the life of the nation would be transformed. The Book of Common Prayer is about 80% Scripture, and it has an approach to Scripture in it. And this is uh, this um, colic that we have today. It's rooted in the Bible itself. It, it's rooted in so here's the bonus question for the day. Check me out, make sure I got this right. Romans 15, verse 4, I think. But uh, Blessed Lord, and who is the blessed Lord? What has He done? We're, we're recollecting, we're reminding ourselves. He's called all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. And then there's a petition. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Everlasting life is the gift, is God's gift to us in Jesus Christ the Lord. Everlasting life is the true human life. It's the immortal life. It's the eternal life. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I've come that they might have life and have that eternally. I've said to you before that there are two words in the Bible for life. One is bios, we get the word biology from, one is zoe. So one is existence, one is alive. Jesus Christ has come that we might be alive, have an immortal life. What kind of life is it? It's the life that's in Him. In the book of Genesis, which is not a book about paleontology or geology, but which is a book about human nature, about where we come from and why we're here and what is a human being. And in the, in the book of Genesis, God makes all these things, and He makes them by fiat, through His Word. He says, let there be light, and there's light, right? Let there be birds, and they're birds. Let there be fish, and they're fish. Let there be green things, they're green things. And He says, let us make, it's hard to translate, man, we used to say, humankind, anthropos. Let us make human being. And he makes humanity in his image and his likeness. And it's, it doesn't happen right away. It's a, it's, a, it's a project. It's God's project. Now, when we get to the Gospel of John, before Jesus goes to the cross, Pilate has him presented before the raging crowd, and he says in Greek, ecce homo, behold the human being. And then when Jesus dies on the cross in the Gospel of John, he says, it is finished. And the Greek could be as well translated, it is perfected. 
What's perfected? God's project to make a human being. Here is the real human life, the life that gives itself perfectly away to God and perfectly away to his brothers and sisters. That's the gift of everlasting life, and it's God's gift to us in and through Jesus Christ the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. St. Irenaeus says that the two hands of God, right, are the eternal only begotten Son and the eternal Holy Spirit. And with these two hands of God, God the Father reaches out to us to draw us into a life-giving embrace. There's a wonderful way of working with children. It's called uh, Beulah Land, and it's the old flannel graph system. Some of you are old enough to remember flannel graphs. You may remember that. And you cut out two-dimensional figures out of flannel, and you put them up, and you tell the Bible stories. Well, in this presentation in Beulah Land, Whatever the story is, the first thing that's put on the flannel graph is a big heart with two hands coming out of it. It's a symbol for God who reaches out to us with his two hands, the Father with his co-eternal Son and co-eternal Holy Spirit to to draw us into a life-giving embrace. And how do we receive this gift? of immortal life, of true human life, of life that is a new life now and that the grave cannot hold. How do we receive this life? We we grab onto it with two hands. And what are the two hands? The two hands are the Holy Scriptures and the sacraments. And you need them both. You gotta hold on with both hands. If we are not immersed in the sacramental life of the church, the Scriptures will be veiled to us. It's not like we won't or they won't do us any good, but there will be depths there that will be veiled to us, blessings there that will be veiled to us. Likewise, we need the, we need the, the sacraments so that the Scriptures become unveiled to us, and we need the Scriptures so that the sacraments become unveiled to us. So we need uh, Cranmer says, to receive this gift of immortal life, we need to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the Scriptures. We need to be marionated in the Scriptures. We need to hear them over and over and over again. Now, when he was writing this in 1549, uh, hearing would have been uh, very important because a lot of people couldn't read. It was one of the great achievements of the Reformation that the Bible was put forward in the language of the people. Do you know when the English Bibles first came into the great churches, they had to chain them? had to chain them to the lectern, lest, lest people steal them. They were so hungry for the Word of God. And uh, we have the great benefit now that we can read. We can read easily. And there are, um, uh, but we can also listen to the Bible. We, we, we heard the psalm sung this morning. If you want to get some Bible into your life every day, get a CD of the psalms being sung. This is a great Anglican tradition. Um, there, are, there are all these schemes to reading the Bible, daily Bible reading schemes, and you need some Bible in your life every day. You need to be immersed and marionated in the Scriptures. Lest the sacraments be veiled to you, you need to be immersed in the sacramental life of the church, lest the Scriptures be veiled to you. Now, there are all kinds of schemes for daily Bible reading, and any one of them is better than none at all, and so you can Google
favorite one. There is a scheme, though, in our Book of Common Prayer. And if you look with me on page 900 and, uh, well, look at page 936. On 935, it explains how it works. There's a daily, it's called the Daily Office Lectionary. It's a scheme for reading the Bible every day. If you follow this in the course of a year, you'll read the whole Bible. At the, uh, and there's, you can see there's year one and year two. There's a, there's a way to figure this out, but take my word from it. In two Sundays, we'll be starting year two. Right? We'll be on a, we'll be, we'll be, we'll, the first Advent, we'll be on a new, on a new Sunday and we'll be, we'll be in year two. And at the top there, you'll see numbers like, I'm looking on page 936, and you'll see like numbers like 146, 147, and then there's a little thing that looks like an asterisk. Those are psalms. They're psalms for the morning and psalms for the evening. And then there's three readings. Traditionally, you read the Old Testament and one of the letters of the apostles or something from the book of Acts or Revelation in the morning. You read the gospel in the, in the, in the evening. The great benefit of this scheme for reading the Bible every day and over the that is correlated to what we do on Sunday morning. So you've got Scripture commenting on Scripture all week long. Now, it's good to do what you can do and not what you can't do. So it would be wonderful if you could read all of this every day. I'm supposed to. I'm a, on my oath, I'm supposed to, right? Uh, uh, it would be a blessing to you if you did it. It's, if you've never done it before, it's pretty tough. But let's just say, take one song. Take one of the morning psalms, or just take the Old Testament reading. The Old Testament readings will read in course, and you'll go through a book of the Bible, and just take them, right? Just take one. Maybe the letters of the apostle. Just take one. Begin. John Wesley, the great um, Anglican priest, he was an Anglican priest till the day he died, but he started the Methodist movement, and he had high standards for his clergy, and he wanted them to read the Bible every day and say their prayers every day. And he got a letter from one of his clergymen that uh, protested that he just couldn't do it, he was too busy, and it was uh, just too difficult in every way. And Wesley said to him, sir, begin, or else ever be a trifler. Now, people say to me that the Bible is difficult, that it's hard to understand, and that it can even be boring. Well, yes, it can be. You have to know how to read the Bible. Uh, it is one of the characteristics of Scripture that it has to be unveiled. It is one of the characteristics of Scripture that it's cryptic. It's one of the characteristics of Scripture that, that you need a key to interpretation. All those disciples were following Jesus because he was a rabbi, he was a teacher of Scripture, he was going, they thought, by, by, by his teaching, they'd find out what the Scripture really meant. St. Paul says this, the mystery, he's talking about the Scriptures, this is First, first Colossians, the, 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 the mystery that has been hidden for the ages is being revealed to you. Right? So there are a lot of ways to read the Bible. You can read the Bible as the artifact of a previous religious culture. And it's, it's interesting, and it's even illuminating for, for those for whom the Bible is Scripture, Holy Scripture, even that approach is illuminating, but it's not Holy Scripture. If you want to read the Bible as Holy Scripture, if you want to live, read it as the living Word of God, if you want to read it in such a way that your heart will burn within you, you know that story about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection? 
It's only a week since he's been killed, and he walks right with them and they don't recognize him. How is it that they come to recognize him? He opens, he gives them the key to the scriptures, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He shows them how it's all about him. So when you read the Bible, how is it about him? In the Psalms, it's either his voice or it's giving testimony to him. Whatever text it is, it's always about him. That's, that, those are the Christian scriptures. When it's read that way, those are the Christian scriptures. It's always about him. You know this story that's in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts? There's this high official of the Ethiopian court, and he's come to Jerusalem because there is all wisdom, and he's a learned man and a sincere seeker after God. He must be a learned man. He's an Ethiopian, and he's reading Hebrew, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Chariot is stopped by the side of the road. He's got the manuscript. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. What is he reading about? It's, it's, it's confusing. It's about a Messiah who is born of a virgin and is a by whose stripes we are healed, who like a sheep before its shearers is dumb. Upon us, upon him, the iniquity of us all has been laid. Who's he talking about? And the Holy Spirit sends the apostle Philip. Philip is a, a witness to the death and to the crucified and risen one, to the death and resurrection of the Lord. And Philip pulls up alongside him and says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no. How can I unless somebody explains it to you? And then Philip tells him what it's about. It's about him. There are a lot of commentaries. There are a lot of good guides to the Bible, but you can guide yourself if you just ask that question. How is this about him? Get a little bit of it every day. Read it that way. Your heart will burn within you. The sacraments will be unveiled to you. Your heart will burn within you. The scriptures will be unveiled to you. Your heart will burn within you, and you will embrace to this unconquerable hope. Whatever happens in the world, he has the whole world in his hands, and he will surely accomplish his purpose, one of which is to give us immortal life, eternal life, the true human life. So let this be. Amen.